Hello, welcome to Work, Rest, Slay, the podcast for the Image Business Club, where we chat to Ireland's most interesting business leaders in the hope that we can learn from and through their experiences. My name is Melanie Morris, and I'm contributing editor at Image Media. Today, we're talking to a woman who, whether you know it or not, you're most likely familiar with, or at least you'll be familiar with her business. Eva Pau is commercial director and board member of the family business, the Asia Market, the speciality supermarket that's a mainstay of Drury Street in Dublin city centre. It's where we all go for those hard to find ingredients when we're cooking Eastern cuisine. And if you're anything like me, once you've ventured into that labyrinthian store, you're totally taken in by the rows and rows of fresh, frozen, packaged and bottled ingredients. You suddenly realise there's a lot more to the place than the outside would suggest. And do you know what? You'd be dead right. Since the 1980s, founders Harold and Helen Powell have grown a concept into a huge wholesale and retail empire. And more recently, their daughter Ava has come on board, bringing technology and diversification to the business. Earlier this year, Ava won the overall Image PwC Businesswoman of the Year Award, unanimously impressing the judges with her story, her hard work and Asia Market's 55 million euro annual turnover. There's loads to chat about here, and I really look forward to getting stuck in. But before we begin, and if you like what you hear, it would be so appreciated if you would hit subscribe on this podcast, rate us, and if you have a moment, leave a review. But back now to Eva Pau and her incredible story. Eva, firstly, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I'd love it if you wouldn't mind. I mean, I've alluded uh, in my intro there to the Asian market being so much more than one store in Drury Street in the centre of Dublin. I know it's so much more. So could you give us the helicopter view of the Asia Market Limited these days and tell us what it consists of? Yes, that's true. I mean, a lot of people would be familiar with our supermarket in Drury Street. Uh, That is our flagship store and it has been since the 1980s. But actually in 2008, we acquired a large premises in Ballymount. And it was previously owned by Tato, the crisp factory. Mm-hmm. And it now serves as our main headquarters and hub for operations for import and distribution. So in addition to the supermarket on Drury Street, we also have a cash and carry and supermarket in Ballymount open to the public and trade. Uh, from Ballymount, we also supply and distribute across the country to restaurants, takeaways, and other Asian supermarkets. So um, we also have Duck, um, a restaurant on Faith Street, and serving authentic Hong Kong-style barbecue meats. And am I right that you've got um, e-tail, online retail yes, sector? Yes, we do, yes. We have a huge kind of um, online uh, store um, that delivers nationwide uh, uh, seven days a week. And is that for... Um, you know, consumers, business to, to B2C as well yeah, as B2B? At the moment, it's just B2C, but I would... Business to uh, customer. Yeah, mm. business to customer. So um, uh, I would love to... My my future plans is to grow it B2B. Okay, but if I'm looking for fish sauce at midnight yes. and I'm not going to be able to make it into town or whatever else, I can buy it online. Just one bottle from the Asian market. Absolutely. Oh, brilliant. And do you run that through Ballymount as well? Uh, yes, 
the pick and pack happens in Ballymount. And then I know we have our own fleet of vans that deliver to restaurants and takeaways. We have a fleet of 20 vans. Uh, I know, I know. Uh, you wouldn't, you might have seen them. I don't know. I mean, we have our logo on the vans and you might have seen them kind of driving nationwide. Mm. But um, for the e-commerce, we actually outsource it to uh to DPD or, yeah. you know, outsource it. But you've got 20 vans on the road delivering know, to restaurants. Logistics is a huge part as well. Oh my business. goodness me. Um, that's like a business in itself. Yes, I mean, it, it's a huge uh, part of the business. I mean, wholesale is counts for 75% of our business. So, and delivering it to our customers is is something that we've done since day one. So even um, when I was a little kid, like my dad started the business by delivering to, uh, he was a delivery driver. To yes. like restaurants and takeaways and he built the relationship. So, I mean, we have kept that through the years in the business. Yeah. So so tell me about the breadth of restaurants and takeaways you delivered to. Yeah, I mean, like uh, uh, mainly Asian, I guess, restaurants and takeaways. But I mean, previously, I guess it would just be kind of more Chinese, you mm. know, but now, I mean, it's so different. I mean, the it's Japanese, it's Korean, it's, you know, all types of Asian food. So a Thai food, you know, so yeah. we have had to really grow our products and grow our product range, you know, to um, to offer these products to the growing kind of Asian cuisine. So will you do everything from, you know, your basic takeaway right the way up to your high end Michelin starred restaurant? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, like um, like we have because all the brands and products that we bring in, they're kind of uh, the top three brands. So, for instance, if you're looking for the soy sauce, we would have the top three brands of soy sauce. So, uh, you know, if you were a high end restaurant, you'd be, you know, you'd be choosing from that range. Yeah. Yeah. So you're basically for the stickiest chef in the world, you're cutting out him having to import it yes. from the other side of the world. You're doing that. Yes. So you have a big import-export or import business. Yes. I mean, we we bring in like over 400 containers a year. So, I mean, there's always containers coming in and we're always offloading them. And we have a team who, I mean, like I've, the containers that come in, I mean, some of them, they're literally not even palletized and they're literally filled to the brim. So imagine just boxes and boxes just put into a massive container. And, you know, so we we have like a team who uh, like take it. Unload uh, everything. Unload, exactly. Oh, yeah. my God almighty. Well, actually, that's a, a, a nice place to start then, maybe if I could ask you. Obviously, it wasn't always like that. Once upon no. a time, there yeah. was an immigrant coming over to Ireland who are your parents? Yes. Could you tell us a little bit about yeah, that? Um, my dad um, studied in the UK. So he studied uh, engineering in Salford University. And then he worked uh, in the UK as part of the postal service there. So, uh, but he, he, I mean, he worked there for many years. And then my mom joined him later uh, in the UK. And then they saw an opportunity here in Ireland. It was my uncle, who, my uncle, who actually first came to Ireland mm. and he decided to settle here. He had a, he set up a, his family here and then he owned like a Chinese takeaway in Rathfarnham. There is still a Chinese takeaway there in Rathfarnham. It's not his anymore, but there is still one there. <laughs> yeah. And he basically, um, it was the, really Sorry, this would have been in the early 1980s? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it was really difficult at that time to get uh, Asian ingredients. Like my cousins would recount uh, many times where they would be going with my uncle, driving to the UK, heading over in the ferry and basically filling the van with Asian products and then bringing it back. And this was 
at minimum once a week. You this know? was just to service one takeaway. Yes. Yeah. So from that, I guess, grew the idea of the Asian supermarket and kind of just to, to bring in Asian ingredients into Ireland and to distribute to the restaurants and takeaways because there was a huge need for it, you know. So then my dad came over and joined the two brothers. My dad has two older brothers. And so they joined together and set up the Asian market. Yeah. So basically they went one step back and your dad was the wholesaler to your brother's or your uncle's restaurant and then the growing industry around it. Yeah, like they so the idea just kind of came about and then my uncles and my dad worked together to uh, start up the business and um, and bring in ingredients um, probably like in pallets to like from the UK Mm. to Ireland. And but I remember, um, you know, my dad telling me that like he did take risks at that time as well, where, you know, um, coconut milk, I guess. I mean, coconut milk is such a key ingredient now, but it wouldn't have been, you know, 30, 30 years ago. 30, Listen, 40 we didn't years have avocados ago. in those days. <laughs> um, so he, he remember he told me that, you know, at that time he took a risk to bring in a container. I mean, a container is a lot of coconut milk, you know, when, yeah. you know, people weren't using it that much. So, you know, he did bring it in and, you know, starting to build that brand. So, you know, the Chowco brand of coconut milk, that's like well known here in Ireland. All the restaurants use it. But I mean, that was first brought in by my dad and he chose that brand. And could because actually in Europe, not that brand isn't that always that popular i mean they, mm. other uh, in european countries they use other brands you know so yeah. my my dad first brought that in yeah gosh so where was the asian market always in drury street uh the it was actually so now we are like uh, in a, you have a, a big big space yes, but actually yeah. previously we were still on that street but at a different location on 30 drury street okay so i think currently it was it was occupied by I mean, we were there and then in previous years it was occupied by a chocolate uh, chocolate store and the, now it's an ice cream store. But mm. when we were there, um, we were the, it was um, I remember on that street, it was all kind of fashion. Yes. Just fashion wholesalers. Yeah, wasn't fashion it? wholesalers. Yeah, very much so. And and I also remember we opened seven days a week and um, I think everything was closed on a Sunday. Everything was closed on a Sunday. In, in those days, maybe. things closed on Saturday afternoons as well, I think. Yeah. Like it was crazy. So that your father crazy. and mother were very, very hardworking people. They, I remember asking dad, I mean, why, why did we open seven days? I know that um, there is a work ethic there. I know that, you know, uh, I, I just was wondering, you know, and he said like it was mainly because the restaurant owners and takeaways, they were off on that day. Okay. So that's why he wanted to have it open for them to shop. Um, so good business. Uh, and w- were you born in Ireland? Uh, I was actually I was born in the UK. In the UK. So what age were you when you came to One Ireland? One month old. So ah. <laughs> <laughs> so I I don't remember anything in the UK. Um, uh, so yeah, I would say that I'm pretty Irish. I mean, when I came here, I mean, I started my primary school here. I learned Irish here. You know, um, I went to Gale Talks. You know, so. Pretty, pretty Irish. You're pretty ingrained. <laughs> pretty ingrained. <laughs> pretty and ingrained. tell me, um, you know, the, as as a kid, you grew up in the Asian market, didn't you? I did. I mean, I guess with um, my mom having like it's a startup business that you know she brought me to the store all the time, and, and I guess worked and minded me at the same time. And I remember um, at that time I had a little kind of a 
a place underneath the till. It was like my little fort and I would always, um, it was my little place, my hideout place and I would sleep there or, you know, have a eat, eat there, you know, play there. So cute. And my mom was at the time on the shop floor so she was working as the cashier. So I'd be just underneath and just, you know, uh, she'd be, you know, talking to the customers. Like she had a real interest in languages as well. So who um, I remember she always asked customers uh, in like, how to say the numbers in different languages so she would be able to you know go oh you know this is three euro fifty but in all different languages brilliant so yeah she really liked that interacting with the customers and so um and as a young girl I I mean I said hi to the customers as well (laughs) you know yeah but you know I always think you know the way kids always prefer the box something comes in rather than the toy so you must have been in heaven (laughs) oh my goodness like I remember like I would have the biggest box I would find the biggest box and then I would drag it out to the street because at that time there was nobody on the street and then like at the weekends and I would hide inside the box and uh, kind of pop out my customers (laughs) I mean I don't I mean I did all funny things like I remember like um, I was given a spy book uh, like oh, how to be a spy and mm. then and um, I remember like cutting like like having my newspaper as my little hideout and just spying on customers and cutting a little square out and spying on customers you know just little Brilliant. funny things that I did as a kid yeah, but, yeah, yeah. you know yeah but that was basically your playroom it was where you grew up yeah. And then I presume from school you'd come straight into work I did. after school. Yeah, because my my granddad at that time he was up on the first floor of the store and he actually ran um, Chinese uh, video tape. Yes, I yeah, remember that. You yes. could rent videos on the ground floor, couldn't yeah, you? Yeah. So the thing yeah. is, but it was all kind of Chinese dramas. Mm. So I kind of grew up watching the dramas with him as well, and that was a really nice memory. You know, that's amazing. Um, yeah. So he would mind me as well. Gosh. So tell me your current role and position in the business is what? My current role is commercial director of Asian Market. And I guess the role is really doing a lot of business development. So, I mean, I work on a lot of projects to uh, make the business better, make it growing, you know, so that is mainly my task. (laughs) Okay, and we're going to do a deep dive into exactly what it is you do shortly. But just to bring everyone up to speed, um, tell us, am I, I, well, I know that going into the business was not necessarily the plan. No. What did you do after you left school? So after I left so I graduated from Trinity and then I went to Lancaster. What did you study in Trinity? I studied information communications technology, so IT. And then I went to Lancaster and I did another year. I wanted to kind of mix uh, business with IT. So it was like IT management and organizational change was the course I did. And then, and then I decided I would move to Hong Kong. It was at that time, I mean, I had traveled during the summertime to Hong Kong so and it was always attractive to me because I felt like in Hong Kong, people were very street wise and they were very savvy. But also I fell in love with the the, the skyline in Hong Kong. Mm. It's just it's just so pretty <laughs> and the food element of it as well. So I decided to give myself a challenge and I was like, yes, let's move to Hong Kong and see what happens. And um, I remember like my dad 
was uh, scaring me a little bit with my CV as well because he said, okay, you know, after you graduate, like, I think he didn't want me to just like take it easy. So he was like, oh, if there's any gap in your CV, that's not going to look well. So, you know, go go and find a job very quickly. So I literally landed in Hong Kong and I was working within two weeks. Doing what? I was, I was um, my first job was uh, uh, working um, in FedEx and I was uh, there kind of, there was someone out on maternity leave so I was like working in their data management uh, running reports uh, so that was the data side and then I had um, a job working uh, in Rabobank so it was my first kind of experience working in banking but it was actually in the food industry in Rabobank because uh, Rabobank is an agricultural kind of mm. uh, based um, bank I guess they, they're they focusing on agricultural companies so um, I was doing research and data into kind of uh, food elements and the trends you know so that really suited me but I think at that time I really learned that um, the financial industry was uh, really exciting to me I felt like you know all the reports they really did make a difference to business decisions and to customers and so um, I started to explore a bit more and then I moved to RBS, Royal Bank of Scotland, which is where I stayed for most of my time when I was in Hong Kong. And at what sort of time scale was all of this? How long did like, this go on for? Yeah, I mean, the, my first job was like the tr- it was short term because it was uh, for like three years. Um, F- Federal Express was uh, six months and mm-hmm. then Rabobank was three months. And uh, and then I, I literally I, I didn't have any kind of real stop like you know I didn't stop for a few months it was, I rolled on from one job to the other yeah, yeah. like um, so I, I knew that I'd be ending that contract and so a few weeks before I'd be looking for the next job and then in Hong Kong I, it just moves really quickly I mean you you apply for a job and uh, if you don't hear back from them within a day or two you, that, that you job, apply for something else yes exactly yeah. so it was yeah. always very active it was very very fast paced moving kind of a country so I I just kind of moved I, I, the, the time frame really I didn't have any gap maybe good for my dad yeah. I was like I didn't have a gap like I was working for six months and then rolled into my next job and then rolled into RBS so you're living your Carrie Bradshaw best <laughs> over in Hong Kong you are a 20 something having an absolute at any stage was there anything in the back of your mind saying I might go home no no so no what happened to change that I mean like I think working in the financial industry I mean I it was really um it was it was it was fat so fast-paced and it was you know you met a lot of people I mean I guess I just started to burn out through the years you know really honestly so um And then I started to think, okay, what are my next steps? And I was thinking I want to go into running a business, but then I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, you know. And so I decided, you know, maybe I was on a trip with my parents um, to visit some of their suppliers. And that really gave me an insight into Oh, the re- relationship with suppliers and running a business and a food business. So I decided, you know what? I'll come back to Ireland and learn from my parents how to run a business. And then I could use that as a springboard to if I wanted, if if from that I have some, gained some experience and if I have a certain interest in other things, then I could set up another business, you know. But, you know, as it happened, I, when I got back to Ireland, 
Ireland, it really did feel like it was second nature to me and that I was meant to do this. And, and it was a real passion and interest. And so that's how I didn't move to doing anything else. You know? But am I right in thinking your parents had very subtly been sowing a seed for a very long time? Yes. I mean, like I remember all the holidays trips, they were all visit- visiting like suppliers. And <laughs> I mean, I mean that's how I didn't, I didn't really think about it that much. You know, it was um, at a young age, you know, I, I was just happy to be out and about and spending time with my parents away, you know, so I didn't really think about it that much. But I think, you know, dad has such a passion for it that, you know, wherever we go, we would go into supermarkets and we'd always check the back of the packaging to see where it comes from. You know, I can spend hours in a supermarket. I think really. we all can, though. In fairness, is there anything more exciting than a foreign supermarket? <laughs> Um, but so he was very gently showing you the ropes. He was, yeah. And planning the succession of the business. Yeah, but I didn't, I really didn't realize that. And I'm so grateful for, you know, because even in the, in, at home, you know, we would be testing out a lot of samples. There would be a lot of samples in the house. But, you know, he would be just over dinner conversation. Be like, oh, this brand, you know, and is very good. Or, you know, just, just kind of, I was aware of the different brands. I mean, the packaging may have looked similar or the product could have looked similar but I was shown that it tastes different you know and the brands were different and where the country was was different and you know even um going on trips with him you know we would look at different um varieties of rice and then the quality and you know so and he Mm. brought me to a few kind of factories with him as well so those were really interesting when I was younger you know but you know I think what's really interesting from this and what I'm taking out from this is I think what we all really know in our hearts that um, formal education is very very important and it certainly teaches you things and it teaches you methods but there's nothing that beats experience and there's nothing that beats your father bringing you into the factory and explaining and sharing his lifetime of learning with you so that you can combine what you've learned the academic way with what you're learning the practical way. Well, absolutely. I mean, like, I think it really did. um, When I came back to work for the business, I felt like mom, like learning from mom and dad, they they tell you everything. I mean, like when you were, when I was out working, you know, I didn't, I had to learn from scratch, but no one was telling me what way you know, to, 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 to do anything or do the tasks, you know, you weren't really trained that much to mm-hmm. do it. So you, you had to spend years just kind of learning, learning it. Like when I was in the banking industry, I had to learn it from like scratch from start from step one. But your formal education must have really, really helped. Once you were back in the saddle in Ireland, you must have been able to bring so much, an extra layer into the business maybe, and maybe a more modern layer into the business. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely saw um, improvements that I wanted to make. And I guess I spent, you know, uh, time to just observe the business and then observe how mom and dad worked. And then I I just started to improve it step by step, you know. And Roll up the sleeves. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I was glad in a way where, you know, um, dad actually started to travel a bit more. And so... <laughs> It gave me like little gaps where um, I just I just implemented the projects. You know, I had things in my mind and I'd just go off and do them. And then I would tell them, tell him when he came back. <laughs> but isn't that amazing? Because it's the most natural way to start giving somebody a little bit more autonomy, give them a little bit more experience. He goes away. He obviously delegates work to you. you get, you're given a chance to work a project. Yeah. 
and to learn it literally at face value at, while he's teaching you. It's it's it he's is. an amazing teacher, isn't he? Is, he? A he great is. mentor. And so like a mom as well. I mean, mom is so loves routine and she's always been excelled in the operations of the company. Like she knows how to, he, she knows every single department, you know. So um, just seeing her in action as well. And, you know, if I have any um, decisions I need to make, I just, you know, I can discuss with them both, which I find it's such a great su- support, you know. I guess, I guess, you know, Prior to joining my family business, it's always been a worry of mine that, you know, oh, I mean, what is it like to to work with your parents? You know, I mm. mean, it's 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 really nice to hang out with them. But, you know, work wise, I mean, if you saw differently on different things, I mean, would there be an argument? Will it be bad? You know, and that has always been a worry of mine. But, you know, when now it really isn't. I mean, when I started working in it, there, there was really none of that because I guess I communicate a lot with my mom and dad. So um, we have that strong foundation and that strong bond. So if I uh, if I kind of decided on something or I wanted to do something, I just kind of say, oh, you know, my plans are this. What do you think? And, you know, dad wouldn't say much. And then I just go off and do it. And, you know, <laughs> you know and then it was done. And then, he, you know, he, he really didn't. I, I'm, I'm grateful that both of them, they, they weren't, you know, saying you know, you have to do this or you have to go that way or um, they all, always just supported my mm. decisions. So I guess I really had the opportunity to um, to try and yes. implement new things, you know. But it also sounds like it was done gently over time. It wasn't that you were coming in suddenly and changing things in a very, very speedy fashion. Yeah. That everything it, was done in its natural pace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are your parents still involved in the business? Yeah. So dad um, is loves traveling still. So he and it's great because, you know, I can send him like he he basically looks at different factories. He brings in and sources new products. He goes to a lot of trade shows still. You know, he was just in Thailand there in May. So, you know, he's still very active. And um, and he, he he is like a strong figurehead for the business. And he holds a lot of strong relationships, you know. So, um, so that's a real asset. Um, was he able to travel? In, he probably wasn't no. over the last few years. No, he wasn't. So it's great to have him back on the road. I know, I know. I mean, like, and he loves it. And you can see that he's so active. And, you know, he, like we were uh, at the airport together uh, early June. And my goodness, I mean, he he can walk so fast. And, you know, do you know, you didn't. I was thinking, when he wants to. <laughs> just like, you know, he's so active and it's great to see him in his element, really, yeah. you know, and enjoying life. And, you know, I mean, with his age, I mean, a lot of people would probably be, you know, retiring or thinking about doing something else. But, you know, no slowing down with dad. And I think it's just ingrained in him that he sees things, um, food businesses and food ideas. And, you know, he just shares his knowledge. It's his passion. Yeah. yeah. Where do your strengths lie in the business at the moment? And what areas have you kind of recruited out or delegated out yeah I mean um my strength in the business I guess is business development I mean I come up with ideas and then that uh benefits and the business and then I get them implemented and then once they're kind of established and then I move on to another Mm. kind of project so are you good with detail detail yes I am quite Mm. detail orientated um I don't even know if that's a good thing just because, (laughs) you know, I tend to then, you know, um, 
it tends to take up quite a lot of my time. Yeah. So uh, I guess because projects that are new, you need to think of all elements of it. So um, I I tend to, you know, I, I, I have a team you can bounce ideas off, but then, you know, you need to find out how to implement it. So there, there are lots of elements to it that I, I think constantly about it. You know, it, it is all consuming, you know, mm, mm. and you want you want to make it uh, work as well. So that's an element that you need to kind of, you, you, you know, you need to have the idea, but then you need to think how it uh, is in the in the platform. So you need to realize it. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, you know, you need to see what's out there in the market as well. You need to compare your idea to others. You need to see, you know, I, I'm always trying to put like an Asian twist to whatever we're doing. So, you know, if it's a food idea or if it's something, you know, it's it's, it's either uh, enhancing people's knowledge of Asian food or culture, you know. So, um, yeah, it, it is really good. Yeah. yeah. And in terms of, you know, you can't do everything in the business. Yes. So where do you find strength in others to, yeah. to join you? Yes, well, First of all, it would be my sales manager. So she plays a real important role controlling all our kind of uh, customers like restaurants and takeaways and supermarkets, other supermarkets. And then um, my chief financial officer. So accounts, it's it's I've really learned how you know, having an experienced person in the area is so beneficial, you know, um, and just having the data to kind of uh, put your finger on the pulse, really. Mm. And so that that's really important role. And then HR, HR is really important. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, we when I started the company, we didn't have HR managers. You so. probably didn't have 160 people. No, either, I didn't, did that's you? true. <laughs> so, you know, having the HR manager, like a, the great, Mm. Like our great HR manager is just really important as well. Am I right that your um, your team, your 160 yes. employees into Asia market, they're from everywhere in the world? They are, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, so from uh, my team, my sales team, I guess because they're uh, facing customers in restaurants and takeaways that they really need to have the language. So the Chinese language, they all have to have that uh, and also the English. And then, you know, on um, we really have all denominations you're a big style. cultural hodgepodge really really is <laughs> like you know um and i guess it, it's really great to see that i think uh, it has to, uh, changed a lot like over the years and we have had to grow the team quite mm. um you know going through the different areas of the business now am i right in thinking you're the biggest rice importer in the country Eight. Yes, I mean, like, you, I guess you could say that. I mean, because, like, I mean, we would bring in so many containers a week of rice, and we would, yeah, we would. I mean, we're bringing in so. So wholesale is a massive part of the business, yeah. and you know, you were telling us there about Ballymount and how it all works, but that must. And now that um, it's easier, maybe, to get deliveries than during COVID times, or whatever. Have has that exploded in recent times? You mean has it kind of? Um, uh, have we had more demand yeah i mean uh there because i feel like there is more demand for asian food because i feel people are traveling a lot more they're coming back to ireland and you know they're really enjoying the asian flavor so i have really seen like a huge increase in kind of asian food offerings you know and i guess that would have an impact on us like we need to uh, have enough products to supply to to everybody as well so but i mean it has been also challenging in terms of you know uh, 
Irish companies are also listing Asian ranges as well. Right. Uh, logistically, though, has it been difficult with the different lockdowns in China and the different lockdowns in the East? Has it been difficult for you to get supplies? Or Absolutely. How you like, that? you know, it has been like for from the start of the pandemic, um, where we would be getting containers from Asia. First of all, the cost of the containers. Second of all, the product itself, because a lot of the factories had to close because of COVID. And that would, you know, slow down the production so so much that that would make mean that we would get our products later as well. But also the rise in the container cost um, really impacted as well, because um, I guess the, the risk was that do you bring in the product if it's so much more expensive you know and then will the public take it you know as mm. well so but you know I think the key was that to, to have the product yeah you know yeah <laughs> really... and did you have buffer stocks for while things were a little bit uncertain we did but I think the key was my dad's kind of relationships uh, that he held in Europe and the UK because we, it meant that you know some of his friends would have landed a container we would share the stock you know and and then when our stock came, we give it back to them. So it was kind of a lot of shuffling around of stock. Yeah, yeah. Know, and then time. how about fresh ingredients? Was that yeah. a different sort? Was that hard to get? Fresh ingredients, um, usually we get from France and Holland. And actually, there's a local Irish farm that we get uh, Asian uh, fruit, like Asian vegetables Greens, from. Greens, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's fantastic. It's nice yeah. to know there's a, a local business as well as um, an import business going on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like if the if they had, they usually only grow a few varieties, which is why, you know, we take what they have, but then have to supplement it with other ranges from uh, from Europe. Right. Yeah. And then what about the technological advancements that you've made in the business? I mean, you've touched on the um, e-tail, the online retail. Yeah. What other sort of systems have you brought into the business? Yeah, I mean, I've been working quite hard on the, I guess, updating the backbone of the company. So um, in terms of uh, updating the system in operations, so the warehouse management system, you know, um, getting everything. I mean, four years ago, it's a very different scene to where we are at now. You know, we were picking white paper before now we are picking on voice it's more accurate everything's barcoded there's labels there's you know it, it has moved on so much you know and um i guess because i studied in this area as well it, it really is a passion of mine to move it forward you know i feel like um if you you, you get so much from it like now we get so much data from the system mm -hmm. that you know it's it's really beneficial to show you uh, in terms of next steps where to go and actually it must be great working with your father on his relationships and his travels we need to expand more into this area demand is here our stocks are too high here too low there whatever exactly yeah. um and then you know uh, and i'm still will be investing more I guess in the IT system and updating our backbone and um, there's always there's so much to um, improve on mm. you know well so there always is I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> your job will never be done yeah, tell me that. about duck because that's an, a particular passion of yours isn't it yeah I mean duck really started um, it's it, your restaurant on Fade Street yes. yeah so I mean I was thinking of um, 
having a food offering along with Jewelry Street because, um, you know, a bit like you go to the supermarkets here, you have you have the ready-made roast chicken, you know, um, and you just bring that home and you cook your veg and that's a quick kind of dinner. Um, in Hong Kong, we always uh, go to roast meat places to get some meats roasted and then you cook your veg and that really complements and ha- you know your meal divine so, yeah so it, it actually really worked out really well because my dad had a friend who um is a roast meat master and has been living in Ireland for years and so he wasn't working and so I came I was thinking this is great you know and I remember seeing him actually working in a different business before like and the business had him doing roast meats but they also had a lot of other Asian kind of um, dishes on the menu uh-huh. and I think it, it just my vision was that it, it gets a bit muddled once you have too many things on the menu you know and and I always um, a few uh, restaurants actually had Hong Kong roast meats on their menu but I would send my friends in to go there to, to those restaurants yeah. like, oh, I'm heading to the restaurant I was like okay well I'll give you a list of things you can order and every time they would have just they just ordered the same same thing that they liked you know so that they're they, familiar they, with yeah, yeah. yeah so they yeah. came out with the, the black bean the sweet sour and I was like <laughs> I mean that's lovely I mean great but I, I, I was like oh, did you not try the roast meats and they were no no and so I the idea for Doug was when you go in, you don't get distracted, I guess, with other other yeah. kind of things on the menu. With the old familiars. Yes. Yeah. So you go in for first page on the menu, there's only four things. You get the roast duck or you get the roast pork, you know. And so it was it was kind of my idea for kind of funneling people to order the authentic, the most authentic thing is mm-hmm. the roast meats. So that's all we're going to do. And, you know, and I think um, that has really, uh, really helped with, you know, people loving the roast meats, you know. But it's brilliant because you have your father's friend who's the roast meat expert. You have the ingredients, you know, literally next door. Yeah. And so it, it's a very logical progression for the business, isn't it? But also like it was it was really good to have like the Irish kind of duck as well. The Irish duck is really good. So kind of using that good kind of raw material that we have here in Ireland and then kind of elevating with some Asian flavors you know I mean it it, when I go back to Hong Kong and go back to China you know I feel um the duck here is better you know (laughs) you know you know like I I go back and I think okay well they have you know their ways and their flavors you know but I think the raw ingredient actually counts for a lot you know Great. Well, it's very, very true. And are you do you use the Monaghan ducks? Are those, those ones? The, yes, the Monaghan, yeah, Silver Hill ones, yeah. Yes. Um, you also do a certain amount of PR for the business yourself, that you do regular cooking slots. Yeah, I really enjoy that. My God, you must be an adrenaline junkie. Is there anything more <laughs> terrifying? You do Ireland AM, don't you? I do, yeah. I love it. I think it's a really nice part where I get to indulge in cooking and you know thinking about the recipes because it I that is actually a real passion of mine to you know come up with recipes and and use ingredients that we have in the market and kind of bring it and explain it to a bigger audience mm. you know so I think I'm, I just feel so lucky to have that platform to able be able to do it you know so um 
And I love it. Really do. So Eva, as we hurtle towards the end of 2022, I mean, retail and business opportunities aren't ideal, but there's obviously still plenty of skin in the game and plenty to do. Can you tell me about some of the fears and some of the opportunities that you're looking at? Yeah, I mean, I think the what I've learned actually through, you know, COVID for the business is that um, we to be diversified, you know, because we have the retail section and then we have our delivery. So, I mean, in COVID times, uh, like the when COVID hit, the, the restaurant business, they, they closed suddenly. And then I literally saw, you know, orders drop off, you know, but then the supermarket business then kind of people were cooking more at home. So that kind of grew, the online grew. So I think the the key is to be able to adapt and keep on moving forward, you know, to be able to see and adapt, be, make your business adaptable, you mm, know, because mm. I, I I know like, you know, with the rising costs and the, you know, uh, the talks, you know, energy exactly. and every, Brexit and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel, you know, you, you just have to try and make your business as diversified as possible, because when one is down, the other, you know, is up. So. Well, I think, yeah, I agree with you. And I think COVID did teach us that humans will always find a solution. So your point is to be at that solution to help them, isn't it? Yeah, to have their finger on the pulse. So be actively kind of, you know, run, like have your eye on the business mm. to know when the changes are coming about and to act quick. I think act acting quick is another thing, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um and I think definitely with the pandemic that has like we re- that has really taught me how to be like that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And with all that you do and mm. you know hearing about how your family worked 7 days a week, how you did school on Sundays, do you have time for hobbies and interests? Yeah. I mean, yes. <laughs> what do you do outside of work? I mean, I love, obviously, I have two children, so I uh, love hanging out with them. But um, I love cooking and recipes. I like baking. So I'm always in the back of my mind. Um, uh, like my goal is to have a cookbook, you know, so that I've always, I'm always working on that. And then, I mean, is that really a hobby? I don't know. <laughs> I guess a hobby. I mean, That's like, a great goal because you're putting together your cookbook with yeah, all your Ireland I AM mean, recipes. It is really a passion. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the cooking really relaxes me because, you know, I, I love ingredients. I was I was making like a lemon cake there yesterday and just like grating the zest of lemon. And just it, once you smell the ingredients, it I don't know. I just feel so happy and in touch with it. Um, but also I love um, I love traveling. So mm-hmm. I'm so happy that I have been able to travel during the summertime. And that really kind of um, broadens my view on things. I mean, I learn a lot from just traveling and seeing things. And because my mind is actively always thinking about the business. So I see something and I go, hmm, will that work in my business? Or, you know, so it really inspires me to 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 grow. So that's a huge part um, uh, that like that is a hobby, but, you know. Is work as well, but um, and I like I like antiques. <laughs> Very interesting. Yes, so I go to like I like going to antique fairs. Um, was just on at the weekend, and I like picking up um little. I guess I, I actually picked up a few kind of uh, old uh, uh, cookbooks, and I love reading them and seeing in years ago that what they what the, what what their recipes would be and what they cooked you know and then um I picked up like a little kind of a measuring cup which was like a, a gill measure I didn't I didn't know it then but mm. it was actually um you know the measuring at that time so it um then yeah I mean I love kind of 
picking up little bits in the antique room, the furniture and things like that. So Brilliant. What is the succession plan for the Asian market? Do you think your children will get involved? You know, I really take what my parents taught me as well. I mean, they never really kind of told me, oh, you have to join the business. So I think I would take the same approach. I mean, they always kind of um, encouraged me to go out and kind of learn outside and and gave me opportunities, you know, and um, but that's what I want for my kids. I would like them to. I give them the opportunity to go out, learn, do whatever they want. And then if they decide that they do want to take over the business, the more happy I will <laughs> <Then> be. <it's laughs> <brilliant. laughs> I know, yeah. And um, Ava, obviously you were our overall winner of the Image PwC Businesswoman of the Year. A huge accolade in our books and hopefully in yours. Can you tell us what the award has meant to you? It was great recognition for the business and... I guess with time, it has really helped me kind of reflect on what I have achieved and also in the future what I want to achieve. Um, And the business has celebrated its 40th year anniversary last year. So um, it was a great milestone. And the Image Award really helped to shine a spotlight on that and the rest of the business. So I'm really grateful for that. Well, I loved reading the blog post that you put up on the Asia Market website. I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful piece. Do you think the award has also given you that extra bit of confidence on days when you're not necessarily feeling it? (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, like um, winning the award, like I was contacted by a lot of people that I know that I guess... um, I haven't been in contact for a while, you know, so and they just sent me congratulation notes. And I really just I didn't I guess I was just amazed with the response from it, you know, and it has really given me a boost of confidence for sure. And um, yeah, I'm really, really grateful for it. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, there was never a more deserving winner. So huge congratulations. So just to finish up some very quick questions um, just to get an idea of your business style. If you have a huge, big meeting coming up, how do you prepare for it? I really do my homework on it. I mean, I prepare for it, you know, um, and that's really, yeah, for a yep. big meeting, yeah. Uh, what sort of clothes do you like to wear to work? I like to wear like smart casual. So I like to wear dresses. I don't, I, I wouldn't, um, not really suit. So uh, something, I don't really wear heels that much but I guess in the summertime um it's nice to wear wedges it gives me a few inches (laughs) (laughs) quite petite (laughs) so yeah and your beauty essentials um probably uh one thing I use quite often is uh everyday sunscreen Mm. I don't know if everybody uses sunscreen every day but um I get freckles quite easily because I've got fair skin so um I I I guess yeah all around all around the year yes brilliant the dermatologist will love you. <laughs> uh, how do you start your day? Do you have a routine? Are you a rushed person? Do you take your time? Like I like to plan out my week. So I have kind of daily goals and I have weekly goals. So I like to write things down when I think of them so that I'm not arriving into work on a Monday going, oh, what am I doing now? So I, I like to kind of have ideas of a plan. I have lots of lists. I like making lists. I have, I have definitely too many lists and too many workbooks with lists in it. I have but yeah I definitely plan ahead and then you know um I no I don't think I'm rushed no you like I mean, to work into it yeah, yeah I mean yeah mantras or proverbs have you any that stick in your mind yeah kaizen it's a Japanese word for constant improvement so 
I work along that basis. Kaizen. Hmm. Okay, we're going to remember that one. Now, your recommendation would be a good one for this. Good places to eat Asian in Dublin. Okay, so I have a favorite Asian cuisine. So favorite Indian would be pickle, mm-hmm. restaurant on Cameron Street. Favorite Thai would be night market in Ranala. Favorite Korean, Korean table in stony batter. We make the most amazing Korean pancakes. Um, favorite Vietnam- Vietnamese, Ao Baba on Capel Street. Uh, favorite dim sum would be Good World on South Great Georgia Street. Uh, favorite Japanese, Manaki Sushi on Dawson Street. And obviously, favorite Hong Kong roast meats would be duck. <laughs> Do you know what? That's, I think that's a full week of Asian dining. So that's a great, that's a great week of ideas for everybody to go to. <laughs> and last question, um, Ava. Um, what would you like 2020 to be remembered for in your life? Um... It's a special year because I turned 40. So um, first of all, I guess I'd like it to be remembered for being able to travel again, um, for winning the amazing Image Award and um, probably to finally start writing my cookbook. (laughs) Brilliant. Ava Pau, thank you very, very much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Melanie. Thank you so much again, Eva, and many, many congratulations on all your successes and, of course, your Businesswoman of the Year Award. And may I also say thanks to Tall Tales Studios and to the team at Image, Dominique McMullen, Simone Kennedy and Bill O'Sullivan for their help in producing today's podcast. Incidentally, if you've enjoyed today's episode and would like to find more in the series, you'll also find them on our hub at image.ie forward slash work as well as on your usual podcast platforms. And of course, we'd be so grateful if you'd subscribe, rate and or comment on what you've enjoyed. Have a great month and I'll be back next month with another episode of Work Rest Slay.